Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Knapsack. 
And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is our News and Cues episode. We're going to talk the latest Star Wars news, and we're going to tackle some questions from listeners and, of course, talk Jedi Temple Challenge. We've got a lot of news from all over the galaxy of Star Wars, Ken, uh, but mostly in that little corner that is The Mandalorian. It's a big corner now, the big little corner that is The Mandalorian. The big important corner. We'll also maybe get you ready for IgerCon. That is coming this week. Hey, before we get to any of that, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, one of our Force Center recommends an audio book we think you should try out on us. Uh, as always, we want to catch up and let's talk about any Star Wars life adventures or just life adventures, Justin. <laughs> well, life is just always an adventure for everyone these days. So it, it happens every week that I have some ups and downs uh, and uh, the the just thinking about Star Wars discussing Star Wars, but particularly uh, thinking about Jedi and just taking a deep breath and going, ooh, how would a Jedi wrestle with this particular problem is, uh, continues to help me. So I'm grateful for just all the Force Center time that has allowed me to spend a lot of time going, yeah, what would Qui-Gon do? Is that morally dubious? Well, then maybe I should reconsider. What would Obi-Wan do? Uh, maybe not that. All right. It's always very helpful to think through Jedi stuff. Um, in terms of just kind of like enjoying Star Wars adventures, yeah. uh, there's so much going on that you and I are doing. A lot of our adventures are just, uh, you know, reading news, watching things, staying caught up. But I've been watching uh, this show on and off with my wife called Myths and Monsters, and it's a documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. When we first clicked on it, it looked kind of like, oh, this is going to be a kind of a cheaply produced thing. But it's great, and it's just, it's just really going through... Uh, myths across the world and a little bit of how they're structured and kind of chipping away. Uh, it spends some time talking about Campbell's monomyth and saying, yeah, the, the monomyth is true from lots of different perspectives, but here are all these different cultures who have different takes on the myths. Um, and I'm just, it, it's really, really well done. They've got like actual uh, historians uh, and uh, experts in myths. So you're really getting not just sort of like conjecture but like people who are like no this is our whole job we've read the iliad 47 times this is who we are uh and the graphics are great and it's great storytelling and there's just so the first episode of it talks about the hero's journey and spends a bunch of time on star wars i got i got to nerd out because everything they were saying about star wars was in my opinion very accurate and true but a couple times they used the wrong image (laughs) They're talking about like Luke completing his journey and, you know, the the uh, Death Star being destroyed. Like, that's the second Death Star. That's not the... Anyway. Uh, but this week we... So each episode is is developed or is based on a certain element of theme. And this, uh, this one was the history of war in myth. And it didn't mention Star Wars directly, but it was just really, really great to think through how long this history of uh, myths about war being as complicated as Star Wars is. And in particular, talking about how most myths about war have this tension that they're both glorifying it and uh, ashamed of it. Like, mm. That the, this need to talk about like the nobility of being a warrior and the horror of ever having a war at all. And it was really great to hear that those ideas, I mean, I, I know those ideas are old, but it was just really interesting to hear exactly 
which kind of archetypal myths uh, of war, how they were used and in, in related all back to Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, God. It's, it sounds like it's continued education for Star Wars. It, it's it's definitely interesting. Myths and Monsters is it sounds like the type of show I'd like to watch on a Tuesday night with a whiskey where someone's in a, uh, you know, werewolf costume and they're <laughs> reenacting uh, a sighting. Um, but that seems uh, one of those shows that, uh, yeah, re- rewarding. I love those kind. Yeah, yeah. And it really did look like it was going to be like, oh, this is slapped together for Netflix uh, for suckers like me. Like, look, it's got a crack and I'll watch it. Uh, but no, it's really it's really thoughtful and, and great. And I, I would highly recommend it for people who are really interested in the mythic side of Star Wars. That's great. I might have to check that out myself when I'm not watching cooking shows, which is my new obsession. So <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, when you run through the list of Jedi's, and their actions, uh, do you factor in Coleman Trevor to do what you're going to do? You know, I should run Coleman Trevor every time because sometimes my instinct is to go straight at a problem and it doesn't always work out. Remember the Coleman Trevor of it all. <laughs> there you go. There's a t-shirt. Uh, that's awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I was, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but uh, we're go, uh, you and I both, uh, and, and actually uh, technically Jennifer, I'm, I'm shipping something out there. We received a nice gift. I talked about it a little bit on the Spotlight Star Wars episode yesterday, but uh, that was released this weekend. Excuse me. Um, uh, we got a little gift uh, from a, a great listener, Tristan Miller, who's been a longtime Force Center supporter. So one of my weekend Star Wars slash life adventure uh uh, highlights was running over to your house with <laughs> some gloves and handing you a uh, Watto's box. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent a good chunk of the weekend just staring at Watto's box, uh, which it sounds horrific. And it's part of the reason yeah. that I love it. It's just I love Star Wars toys that are uh, on one hand just really awesome and legitimately cool. And then also like, isn't it just amazing that anyone ever made this? <laughs> But I absolutely love it. Uh, we, we got a question a little bit later on in the show that uh, that made me think of Wada's box. So I'll yep. I'll describe I'll describe it in in great detail at the end of the show because uh, yeah. I, I am really really loving it. Yeah, it's good stuff. And thank you, Tristan, for your support and and your uh, nice gift. I got a, a good Asajj Ventress figure heading Jennifer's way, and then I'm, I'm I've got custody of the Power of the Force Rebel pilot set and uh, Luke and Mara Jade. Good old. Legends characters, which we talked about a little bit of Spotlight Star Wars this weekend. So that's been going on. Other than that, man, just working hard. We've been we've been we've been kind of putting our foot down on the gas pedal at Force Center the last couple of weeks, which has been fun and rewarding. Uh, but that also means a lot of research. So it's listening to the Afro audiobook we're going to um, review later in the week. Watching Clone Wars. Uh, I just got a new stack of comics mailed to me from my comic shop uh, uh, safely, safely and distantly. So it's. <laughs> It's one of those weeks where a lot, a lot of the work slash life adventures is keeping up on Star Wars. And I have been overwhelmed, like a lot of us, Joseph, during this time, trying to make ends meet, trying to figure it all out. And, uh, you know, when people ask me how you do, and sometimes I'm like, oh, exhausted. <laughs> and, and that's true. But, man, I, I kind of stopped and was like, 14-year-old Ken would be like, I get to talk about Star Wars for six hours a week. <laughs> and, I know get to buy some, you know, some uh, gas station sandwiches with that. That's great. And so that kind of refreshed me this week. And it's been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to a good week in Star Wars. 
Qui-Gon would be so proud of you. Your focus determines your reality. And I agree. I agree. It's it's uh, a weird time, as we've talked about. Like, we are incredibly lucky that the things that, that we are already doing are things that can roll on and continue uh, in our current weird times. And then sometimes you see people being like, I'm so bored. I have nothing to do. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I have so much to do. Uh, and it is really, really great to not focus on the stressful part of being busy, but to just be incredibly grateful that we get to do really fun things to get to talk about star wars and to have star wars homework is like uh one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me yeah and and we want to thank all of you who support us here in force center uh, whether it's a, a listen a share a patreon pledge an audible trial uh that would you go and support the show we really appreciate it and are so thankful for this community especially over in discord where it's a lot of fun and i've i have to admit to, to lately being a little snarky uh, sometimes the Star Wars scoops culture has been kind of wearing, wearing, uh, wearing a little bit with me. So over the Discord server, I'll swing in with a little snarky joke. Sometimes I feel bad, but this week I was I, I had to test myself. And this is my final thought um, for my Star Wars slash life adventures, and I'll throw this to you too, Joseph. That clip went around. It was it was on TikTok, which uh, you know it's its own thing. But um, <laughs> of, the, of the kid that changed all the titles and. Yep. I had no joke, and I don't mean this me. I had no less than 10 people almost every day in my circle, not podcasters, send, you know, old work buddies, sending, sending me that link, either text or DM. Hey, have you seen this? Hey, have you seen this? Uh, which, by the way, I, I love because that means in their circle, I'm, I'm a Star Wars folk that they're going to send stuff to. Right? <laughs> um, and I, I had to challenge myself because I, I thought it was fun. I thought it kind of works from a certain point of view. And I found myself getting the shield and sword out and ready to fight anyone. I love that. Um, it is fun. Uh, I think he misses the point on some of the movies, but that's also, it's a TikTok. And it's the people that sometimes will take a TikTok as a giant essay and use it against Star Wars that I start getting pre-defensive for. And I did. One of my friends was this. I was like, well, he misunderstood Attack of the Clones Revenge of the Sith specifically. Uh, and... and uh, I had to calm myself down and just remember the thing I tell myself, it's okay to poke a little fun at Star Wars. That's part of loving Star Wars. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, there's that, you know, two wolves live inside us all. I've been thinking about, there's that scene in the cantina where uh, Luke is getting, uh, you know, hot under the collar. Like, I don't have to listen to this. I could buy my own ship. I can fly it. And Obi-Wan just gently puts his hand on his shoulder. Like, <laughs> inside all of us is that Luke and that Obi-Wan. It's, that was exactly an opening. <laughs> so the first person to, to text uh, uh, text me, it I, I looked at it, and uh, it was my 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 old pal Michelle Boyd. She she DM me on Twitter. She goes thoughts, and I just I, I hadn't even looked at it, and I was like, I'm ready to tear this apart. Yeah, <laughs> I but, hadn't even looked at it. Uh, you know, we're we're in the same place. Uh, you know, people uh, kindly sent it to me uh, in truly with a like, this is fun. What do you think? Uh, very very friendly. Not a see this proves that Star Wars is garbage kind of thing. Um, and I was like, I'm not even going to watch this. Uh, and then I did. And it was just like, I, I, it feels like it's entirely, uh, it felt comedic to me. And I was like, this is a great fun piece of star Wars comedy. Yeah. Uh, and I, in terms of any sort of essay on what the films actually should have been called, I do not agree with it in any way, shape or form. <laughs> I think that's it. I think, you know, it's it's been a weird path because I, I think for me growing up with the original trilogy, it was sort of like with the snarkiness towards Return of the Jedi that I've talked about a lot that people of, of my age have um, that 
with the exception of that, it was accepted that you love Star Wars. So then when you kind of joked about Lobot being, uh, you know, lame or, you know, you know, the stormtroopers can't edit anything. And yet Obi-Wan says, look at these precise blaster mics. There was, for me, an agreed upon, we love this. So we're just kind of gently ribbing a thing we love. Yeah. And over time, so much legitimate disagreement and legitimate anger towards Star Wars has developed that I've become so reflexive <laughs> and so ready to be like, are you attacking? That decision actually made sense because of a we blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, no, you were making a joke. Cool. Sorry. My bad. Yep. Yeah. And it's a shared it's a shared language. I mean, uh, early on in our uh, working and re- relationship and, and friendship, uh, hearing you make that sad Lobot joke, it was like, yeah, you're speaking my language because I know exactly what you're referring and I know what you mean and I've lived it. And it's a connective poking fun at Kenner, Lobot, the figures and everything. And it's just one of those. And that comes from loving something enough to poke fun at it. So it was a good lesson for me this weekend, too, to just let go. Let go. Yep. Obi-Wan kept me calm. <laughs> but we will do a two-hour episode breaking down why we don't agree with those title changes. Uh, the only, one, I'll tell you, the only one I was like, actually, I kind of like, the, the the Rise of Skywalker being replaced with a Phantom Menace. I was like, oh, actually, okay, yeah, no, I'm 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 behind some of that. It connects one to nine. It's good, but I still love Rise of Skywalker as a title, obviously. Uh, I love that in the first film, Palpatine is the Phantom Menace, and then by Rise of Skywalker, where Palpatine Sidious is broadcasting to the entire galaxy, the Sith will kill you all i think it should have been called the blatant menace (laughs) the the billboard menace Uh, (laughs) the super obvious menace (laughs) palpatine's the kind of guy that would get one of those paid uh advertising spots on youtube that you can't (laughs) click out of quick videos i don't want to know about gaia.com what are you doing All right, we're going to move into the news. We got cues a bit later and a couple little uh, notes here we'll talk uh, about. Uh, We did lose someone in the Star Wars family this week. Uh, Wilford Brimley passed away at 85. Uh, Just a a lot in his career. You might remember him from diabetes commercials. You might remember him from Cocoon. I actually grew up with him first from the TV show Our House was the first time I was familiar with him. Uh, So, so many roles in his career. But He's in the Star Wars family. Noah from the Ewok movie uh, Battle uh, Battle for Endor. Uh, man, uh, the first guy to wear glasses in Star Wars, Joseph. <laughs> but not the last. Not the last. So 85 years old. We just wanted to tip our cap to Wilford Brimley. Absolutely. Uh, part of the Star Wars family. And the other thing, uh, we are about to get into news. We always joke. In fact, our first official news story was something that uh, came out uh, moments after we released the episode last <laughs> week. That's the way it is, and that's part of the fun. Uh, we are very aware at the time of this recording, Monday, we release these Tuesday. We are very aware that there will be an earnings call. I believe it's just an earnings call uh, we, with Bob Iger, Disney, and all the shareholders. We call that IgerCon around here. So, Joseph, it's very possible that we'll have some sort of Uncle Bob leaked information. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all really depends on, obviously, this is a difficult financial time for everyone. uh, And I'm sure that Iger is going to really want to get people excited about what's coming next. So it seems like there is a possibility that he will tease something. Yes. And if if it's if it's big enough, we might do a special broadcast uh, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, to put something else out there. But if it's big enough, if it's, uh, you know, uh, we got another space picture coming, might not be. Yet. <laughs> so stand by 
for IgerCon. Our first official story of the day did come from last week, but it's uh, our time to dive on into it. The Mandalorian gets 15 Emmy nominations, but also don't forget Star Wars Resistance, which picked one up as well. Mando got 15 uh, nominations, like I said, and here is the list. I'll run through it somewhat uh, quickly here. Uh, Outstanding drama series. Put a pin in that. Uh, outstanding children's program. Sorry, on this list next, that that's resistance. That that's a that's a big one there. When mm-hmm. about for back to Mandalorian, outstanding outstanding character voiceover performance. Taika Waititi is IG Eleven in episode eight. Outstanding guest actor in a drama series. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito is Moff Gideon in episode eight. Outstanding production design for a narrative program. Half hour. Outstanding cinematography st- cinematography for a single camera series. Half hour. Outstanding outstanding. I can't, all the, all the letters are jumbling in one. Ken, calm down. Outstanding fantasy sci-fi costumes. Outstanding single camera picture editing for a drama series. Outstanding prosthetic makeup for a series, uh, limited series, movie or special. And that was uh, specifically Mandalorian Chapter 6, The Prisoner. Mm. Outstanding music composition for a series. Uh, original dra- dramatic score, which is specific to Chapter 8, Redemption. Outstanding sound editing for a comedy or drama series. And animation. Well, that's just everything. Outstanding sound mixing for a comedy or a drama series and animation. Outstanding special visual effects and outstanding stunt coordination for a drama series, limited series, or movie. And that is for Ryan Watson, the stunt coordinator. So there you go. I include the resistance one in there as well. Um, uh, Here, Joseph, before we dive in, is what Kathleen Kennedy said in her statement. I am so proud of everyone who contributed to make these Emmy nominations possible and am thankful to be working with such a talented group of people. Disney took Disney Plus took a big risk with us on the, on the Mandalorian, and I can't thank them enough. The creative brilliance of John Favreau and Dave Filoni, coupled with the incredible innovations of ILM and Skywalker Sound, truly made our first Star Wars live-action series groundbreaking. Much gratitude to Bob Iger for launching a platform which inspired an enormous rush of creativity among Lucasfilm storytellers, artists, and engineers. I can't wait to see the child in his tux. <laughs> All right. We'll dive in here, Joseph. Big awards in Star Wars don't necessarily go hand in hand. The technical stuff, certainly. New Hope got some of the classical nominations. After that, it, it doesn't happen a lot in, in terms of um, Star Wars or even any kind of fantasy pictures. Uh, Return of the King was kind of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's for your last six years of work, Peter Jackson. Um, so what do we make of this outstanding drama series nomination above, above all the nominations, Joseph? I think it's just a, another feather in the Mandalorian's cap uh, of kind of breaking some of the um, I, some of the stigma around what Star Wars is or can be. Um, I think a part of the reason that it broke through for me is and got this recognition instead of being the like, yeah, 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 it's Star Wars. It might be really good for Star Wars, but Star Wars is not good drama. Let's not right. go there kind of attitude that can happen with the awards and with the movies i think it broke through because it is so successfully accessible not just from a you don't need to know a ton about canon you don't need to be too hung up about you know what timeline it is there's a bunch of great details for for those of us who care but you're easily told everything you need to know from a sort of a canon perspective but even more important than that to being nominated for best drama is just totally accessible emotionally Mm -hmm. and as much as i absolutely adore 
uh, all of the big Star Wars films going on from A New Hope, they do have a little bit of a uh, um, a price for entrance, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Emotionally, certainly the the prequels can, uh, and the, because the prequels are really talking to the original trilogy, and the, the sequels are obviously about the shadow of the original trilogy. Uh, Rogue One doesn't uh, help you place yourself on the timeline at all, and you know, obviously, we we heard a lot of people go like, "Is that the same Briar <laughs> girl that was in Force Awakens?" and yeah. things like that. Um, and obviously, people have come to Star Wars lots of different times. And, you know, the, you can start at the prequels. Honest, obviously, you can start with the sequels, obviously. But I think there's something just really special about Mandalorian because emotionally it's so stripped down to this person who should be a hunter and encounters someone who's vulnerable and cute and lovable and needs help. And the hunter decides to be a caregiver. Like, And that's really all you need to know on an emotional level and you are just in you are all the way in and i think that's a big power of mandalorian i, I absolutely i'll give you the four center well said because uh, you hear the stuff every said all through that disney gallery series of we're not really star wars we're off here we're not built on star wars we're built on the things that influenced george which i think i think all the other movies have that as, as well but they're definitely like you said they're in constant communication with the star wars properties that came before them where this one uh, is accessible and it it, it just it, it's played real. I always go back to that. It, it, it's played real. Uh, you hear uh, Peter Jackson talk a lot about what, what Lord of the Rings things. Yeah, it was dragons, it was elves, it was this, but it, we treated it as if it was real. Not that the other Star Wars movies don't. I, I think of the Felicity Jones moments or some of the, my favorite acting moments come from her in Rogue One. That's definitely played real. But you know what I mean? It's just this this stands up against the, the other shows. Because you don't have to get lost in the Star Wars of it all, like you said. I love you said that for the price of uh, the price of admission for the other ones it does exist. This one you can jump on in, and uh, the moments with the child and Mandalorian play like a like a good sitcom dad moment. <laughs> they play. <laughs> so yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, and, and and a feather in the cap indeed. And I have to wonder too, Joseph, is, is this. I, I like the way Kathleen Kennedy phrased it. It's why, why I pull it out. Disney Plus was an absolute big risk. Even in this era of streaming programming, these things can fall flat. These things cannot work. It can just be a you know monthly fee for a library of movies and that's all you and occasionally if you want to watch you know uh some some you know the fox and the hound or whatever you're gonna you're gonna bring it up. Disney Plus didn't want to do that. They wanted to get in the game. And they allowed it. I think it, it's for, for Mandalorian to be the leadoff hitter for this this Disney Plus. A lot of faith, but they didn't know. They just didn't know. So it's rewarding, and that's gonna that's gonna allow Lucasfilm, ILM, and Disney to be like, yeah, let's do even more. Let's push it and find a way forward. And and I like that too. That's that's inspiring. Yeah, yeah, and I really like uh, the way uh, Kathleen Kennedy's statement uh, celebrates everybody involved, that the idea that there was something, and we saw this in the Disney gallery behind the scenes, there was something about the idea that just really excited everybody, you know, to that point where, like, they're they're in their own home garages doing (laughs) special effects because they want to, that it really inspired everybody. And, you know, it's such a great Star Wars story, uh, not only on screen, but behind the scenes. And I think you, you feel that on screen you absolutely do uh, in terms of star wars uh, resistance uh, getting nominated what what does that what does it mean to you as a star wars fan this is a show we've enjoyed 
Uh, it was smaller scale, even than Rebels. But this uh, outstanding children's programming award, it's got to be considered pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled for it. I really, really do like Resistance. In particular for me, I think the animation and the acting is absolutely gorgeous, and I think it deserves recognition. And, you know, we've been seeing a lot of real focus on we have to make sure that we are continuing to reach out to young viewers um, and speak to people like you and I, Ken, who have 12-year-olds in our hearts. uh, And then also like, but yeah, no, we have to speak to the actual 12 year olds as well and it feels like resistance was really really successful in doing that absolutely star wars and awards uh it's a good thing it's a good thing because you know trust me those uh swords and sandals and sabers and cloaks those uh those properties don't always get nominated uh there is one other award we're going to talk about this one probably a little bit more on thursday when we review the afro drama but don't want to forget that star wars dr afra comic series did win a glad media award for outstanding comic book uh all 40 issues of that first run getting rewarded there by uh glad so we are going to probably uh discuss that or at least uh, factored into some of our discussions on afra on thursday but i didn't want that one to uh, slip by here on uh, since we're talking star wars and rewards next yeah. story yeah um next story here joseph uh we got some more content we got more content Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, a VR experience from ILM X-Lab is out. Um, you might have, uh, I know Joseph and I didn't play <laughs> Vader Immortal, <laughs> but some of you out there might have. Uh, this one will start Bobby Moynihan as a storytelling bartender and Deborah Wilson as a Corrin uh, pirate leading a Guavian death gang cell. You'll be playing a droid repair tech that crashes on Batu. Time place uh, takes time. Plan, uh, takes time between the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker, uh, and there's a lot of things you can do in, uh, in this game uh, other than explore. You can play space darts, hang with porgs, and like I said, explore the wilds of it too. So, just some general thoughts on this game uh, first, and then we'll talk about the location of this game, which is interesting as well. Oh yeah, no, I, the general thoughts. This sounds awesome. This sounds really immersive. It sounds like the kind of experience uh, that I want. Uh, both if I ever actually buy an Oculus Rift and do VR stuff, and also like uh, as many people have said, I would love a more traditional video game like this because I want to be able to have that full Star Wars experience from like uh, the action and the the roguish hero where I get to be that, and then I also just get to be the guy. <laughs> playing space starts and, you know, trying to, you know, gather porgs for money or some damn thing like that. Uh, <laughs> that level of Star Wars immersion, like that that sort of um, Legend of Zelda Red Dead Redemption, where you can be yeah. in the heat of high stakes battle and then you're like, eh, or I'll go pet something. <laughs> I love that. True. It's true. Uh, yeah. When Red Dead Redemption added the pet the dog option, uh, I've, I've gone to every city and pet pet the dogs in the game um so yeah this is uh it's it's going back to the vader immortal thing i, I had a chance to play it i, I didn't end up not doing it uh, the first episode and and i thought ah, I'll, I'll get to it and yeah i'd love to get to it. i'd love to sit on my couch with the the um, goggles on and just get lost in the world it's not something that's readily available for a lot of people uh so that's okay and that's just the way it's going to be you can kind of accept it but i this is as as 
dark and, and, and mysterious and alluring and compelling the Vader Immortal one was. And I, never, I know some of the plot points and it was really good. This one is the other way around. Just seems like a lot of fun. I, I love uh, Bobby Moynihan, SNL, Deborah Wilson, Mad TV, of course, in Fallen Order as well. And he was in Star Wars Resistance. These people that love Star Wars. If you watch, there's a YouTube video attached to the story on StarWars.com. They're both really excited. Deborah Wilson starts quoting Star Wars. They're both excited to be in it. So I love that. Adds to the fun spirit there. Um, you know, other than that, you know, uh, it's it's pretty cut and dry. I though like, I like that Bat- Batu's a location. Uh, I don't know about you, Joseph. I could have easily, even just a year ago, been somewhat cynical over. Ah, where, yeah, you just you're just going through your theme park again. I don't. Maybe it's because I experienced it, but I also think it's just kind of it's a fun little world to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think sometimes when I'm at risk of getting cynical, you know, I, I made this joke in in stand up of like, you know, George Lucas did not start a nonprofit organization in 1977. Mm-hmm. You know, making money has always been a part of this storytelling that we all, you know, drive, you know, such depth and, and life lessons from. So those things just they just exist together uh, and you have to find a balance. And I, it, the reason to me it doesn't feel like, yeah, 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 you're just trying to get people to come to the park is because Batu has been so well crafted by storytellers and designers who truly care about it. And it is this great, like, let's set it during this sequel trilogy that we're generally playing around with, but this place has been here forever. So we can establish the culture of Batu, but then we can jump, you know, hundreds or thousands or of years or just, you know, a couple decades around. And Batu just has a little bit of everything. It's a great Star Wars place. So I enjoy exploring it. And for a game like this, it's like, yeah, it's got the cantina, but, you know, it's got a little bit of conflict. It's on the edge of the galaxy. So it's got that you know, forgotten, overlooked Tatooine vibe. It's got pirates and the, the kind of the Han Solo side of things running around. It just has so much of Star Wars baked into it that you can have experiences like this where you go and you do a little bit of everything. Yeah, you're so right. It's a crossroads. It, it, it's a crossroads in the story. It's a crossroads just uh, for them in, in terms of storytelling because it, 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 nothing seems out of place. You can go and dock Ondor's uh, thing and be like, there's a First Order cape, there's an Imperial cape. Which one do you want to buy? You know, <laughs> Imperial uh, era outfit. So it all works. And uh, there's going to be some connections in here. Uh, they said there's some characters that will show up. So I'm excited uh, to uh, watch other people play it. <laughs> yeah. On the system. I looked it up, and right now on Amazon, the Oculus Rift uh, VR setup is $400. Because I was trying to, at first I was like, oh, it's so nice of them to create a way to visit Galaxy's Edge for people who can't afford it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not so much, you know, yeah. I'm saving yeah. up those uh, credits for the uh, PlayStation 5, right? So uh, maybe, maybe that eventually, maybe eventually... All video games will just have um, like the Robin Williams movie toys. You just plug something in your nose. Uh, wait, that wasn't supposed to go. Um, there you go. Yes, I made a toys reference. Early 90s comedies here on Force Center. <laughs> Final story of the day. This one is, uh, you know, a, ty- a news uh, clip. That I think even even I slipped by and uh, Joseph, uh, you were like, hey, there's something to this one here. The Mando novel pushback from December 2020 to fall 2021. This was the upcoming original novel from Del Rey, written by Adam Christopher. It was going to be out on December 1st, 2020, right smack dab in the end push for Mandalorian Season 2, but now going to fall 2021, which you would think might be Mandalorian Season 3. Um, we got a lot of Star Wars books coming out. So that might factor into this as well. Joseph, what do you think about the book? Sliding back. 
Yeah, um, I, I think it is probably sliding back just because the actual uh, machinery of publication is being affected by uh, the old virus, uh, the old COVID nineteen. I think is probably the main reason for it. But the uh, but what it got me interested in thinking about is well, if the book really can afford to slide around, it makes me feel like the book is really standalone and is not like okay, this is really you know gonna follow up immediately on the events of. You know, if it, I guess it was going to come out toward the end of season two, so it could be set after that. But it just if there's flexibility about it, it doesn't feel like it is something that is sort of time sensitive to when the Mandalorian is being seen, when the seasons are being seen. Yes, it's funny. I I had the similar similar thought, but like kind of gotten a conspiracy theory frame of mind went the other way of like, oh, maybe maybe they changed something in season two or maybe there's something in season three changes something in the books. And I, I started going down that path that I kind of ended up back where you are. It's like, Oh no, this is probably just, it's like the first season of Mandalorian kind of on its own. It will connect up later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah, abs- you're absolutely right about the, just the mechanics of business right now. Uh, it, it's um, you know, probably a little tough. And look, and also, you know, you got high Republic, you got the Poe Dameron uh, free fall. You got a lot of stuff coming out. The, the Thrawn series, giving giving this a chance to have, to be in its own spotlight is is also probably a, a factor as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that if there is just like huge excitement around Mandalorian season 2 and if it's you know received anywhere near as well as you know a uh, best drama nominee Mandalorian season 1, there'll be such great excitement and this is a way to I think extend that excitement because you, you know I don't even want to say these words out loud but season 3 might take a little bit while a little while mm-hmm. longer because I don't think we're quite there yet uh, mm-hmm. with it starting to film. Even if the scripts are entirely done for season three and they're ready and raring to go, it might be later than, you know, we fans would like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless they discover some new technology and Mandalorian becomes the first live action TV show that's edited on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> live action. Live a- we, d- we discovered a way to just, it's real now. It's real. We just shoot it and uh, it are up. Here's, here's what I think. Here's what I think is going to happen. Not really. This is a joke. I think they're going to they're going to take. You know, they got the vault, right? Uh, uh, the volume. Uh, yeah. I think they're going to take the volume. I think they're going to build a little hotel on top of it. I think the entire cast and crew are going to be uh, quarantined in there together. They'll create their little bubble, and then they'll uh, make a little reality show, and it'll be like the real world. John Favreau, and Dave Filoni, huh. and they can release that. That'll be the making of season three oh. is the reality show of them just all living together. And then they just bop down to the volume to shoot season three. That's beautiful. I love this because, you know, I've been watching that Favreau's chef show and I, he's so good at just hanging out and, and talking and next cooking a steak. And next thing you know, you got a con, you got a show, you got content. So yep. this is perfect. Uh, the bubble <laughs> works for uh, NBA, NHL, it's, uh, major league baseball couldn't get into a bubble and it's affecting their season. So this, this works in a lot of different ways. And now this has to be the second season of, of Disney gallery slash the mentor. <laughs> that's right. You got or the, the volume. Now you need the bubble. Yeah. Maybe me the third season. Uh, that's a joke, but I want it to be true. All of it. All right. That's a look at star Wars news for now. I'm sure something will pop up before we get on out of here to take a quick break. And on the other side, we'll be talking Jedi temple challenge and taking your questions. We have our Four Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And what do we have this week, Joseph? We have Dr. Afra by Sarah Kuhn. We are going to be reviewing that, as Ken said, uh, later this week. So if you would like to listen, be all caught up with us, go check out Dr. Afra right now. 
Do it. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for your free audio book. We are going to take a quick break. On the other side, we are going to try to climb the frigid slopes of the Jedi Temple Challenge. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Forcing on YouTube. Check it out. Welcome back to Force Center News, episode 241 of the main show, the big show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. And we are going to be looking at episode 9 of Jedi Temple Challenge. It is our review. It is our deep dive into the themes of this fun game show. But <laughs> we kind of kid because we know we do love going deep here on the themes of Star Wars on Force Center. There's some good themes that always pop up in Jedi Temple Challenge, and that's been one of the reasons I think a lot of the fan base has been just enjoying the show and kind of getting what it's there for and kind of plucking out these uh, deep moments amongst the wild kid fun, Joseph. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I really have appreciated, uh, I love their little exit interviews, and I mm-hmm. love that uh, at this point that the interviews always start off strong with the, like, yeah. <laughs> Ella and Maddie saying, we're going to be in your nightmare. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then by the time they have their exit interviews, they're almost always really thoughtful and self-reflexive. And that's yeah. like uh, self-reflective. And that's a, just a great little Jedi journey to watch these kids go. Right? It's totally Luke. I want to go I'll have an adventure in the stars. I'm going to throw down my lightsaber. I mean, it is. It's a hero's journey. So uh, this week, uh, we, we don't go beat by beat by the show. If you're just catching uh, us now, we just uh, kind of take an overview. And I have some weird thoughts uh, about the show. Uh, here we go. Uh, the teams this week, Christopher and Christian, the orange team. Uh, the aforementioned Ella and Maddie, the purple team, and the blue team, Evangeline and Valentina. I, being a mid-90s rock and roll DJ who loves uh, mid-90s alternative rock and or roll, the name of Evangeline is a great Matthew Sweet song from about 1993 off his album Girlfriend. <laughs> so all weekend I've just been singing, Evangeline, I think I love you. So it's a great song. I'm a bad singer, but uh, I was uh, I was already on board for the blue team. Just I was like, I wonder if their parents. I wonder if they were just like mid '90s rock fans, and they finally had some kids, and they got the <laughs> Evangeline. Probably not. Um, they were twins, Evangeline and Valentina. So Joseph, they said they had twin telepathy, and I got to ask you: We've seen what Ray and Kylo have in terms of connections. Do you ever see this as a potential Jedi power if we have Jedi twins in Star Wars, in canon? Oh. I, I, I know the solo twins. I, I get all that. But in canon, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. In modern canon, I want some twin stories. It's a great sort of a mythic idea to tap into. And obviously, it's real, too, because the twins uh, communicated really well. When I, when I heard them talking about twins, uh, it made me just want to see 
uh, Luke and Leia doing the actual Jedi Temple challenge or like, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it be amazing if in, you know, Rise of Skywalker, we get that little flashback where Luke and Leia are training together. And then there's like a bonus scene where we pull back and we realize <laughs> that Luke has actually set up the yeah. whole Jedi Temple challenge course for <laughs> Leia and they're doing it together as twins. So I love that. Yeah. And again, I'm aware Luke and Leia twins. So I made it sound like a scene, but I wasn't aware of that. Um, don't make a TikTok video about me. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But just like, I want this to be a selectable power in a video game. Uh, I think, uh, eventually. Twin telepathy? Twin yeah, telepathy. Yeah, no. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Luke, Luke and Leia being twins is, you know, that that's, you know, a yeah. part of the storytelling. But I would love more storytelling that, that, that twins who know they're twins yes. <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm going to just, so this has become one of my favorite uh, parts of the show. I just love, and Ahmed Best just plays it so perfectly. It's my style, one of my many styles of humor, I guess. Uh, when he just says, you know, they call me the sabered hand. <laughs> is this now running joke? Played so well, Mary Holland is 83. I just love little beats of that. And I think Ahmed Best, again, Joseph, just does such a wonderful job during this show. Yeah, yeah. No, he's killing it. In in watching the, uh, all of these different episodes uh, and like seeing his delivery on like that line in particular where he, it's very aware of like, uh, this is the thousandth time I've said it. Mm-hmm. He's got this great vibe that um, I really appreciate for myself from doing several years of children's theater, all sorts mm-hmm. of different shows where you're absolutely aware that you want to be warm and open and friendly uh, because you're performing for kids, but you also have a little bit of that just a wry sense of uh, irony mm. to connect to the adults who are watching too and uh, all the performers uh, involved in this are doing that so well walking that that what is to me from my personal experience that perfect line of mm. performing for literally all ages mm. that it's it's for kids but you also have something that's kind of wry and winking and, and fun for the adults too uh, absolutely he's been nailing it and uh, we we definitely uh, love i love seeing all the keller and beck uh, fan art and uh, you know all this, uh, the custom figures that have been floating around i know it's just made ahmed best who it's, it's it's his birthday month i saw on instagram today i know it's just made him probably feel great but to, to see him this has been the perfect thing for him to come back to a Star Wars set of any kind. Uh, just it works so well, and you can just see there's some real fun in his face for uh, putting this show together with the team there and, and having some fun. Yeah, he's killing it. He's killing it indeed, but in a good way. Uh, so, all right, we always talk <laughs> about uh, was the leap and lift, right? The leap and lift kind of uh, vexes us at times. You and I, not good jumpers. Uh, I am no. I'm about, I got about a one inch uh, height uh, jump there uh, if I was at the NFL Combine. Uh, Christian of the Orange team just jumped straight for the Melloron fruit. <laughs> Didn't even use the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, oh my God, the trampoline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to think was of the, no bounce. I was trying to think straight of the, for the fruit. Yeah, the, what's the real world thing they use? Oh, I have one in my garage, a trampoline. Uh, yeah, I, and I was like, I can't remember if anyone else has done this or not. I definitely don't remember. It didn't stand out to me if they did. Apologize if someone else did this first. I was like, this is what I would have to do. I'd have to take a wild jump and hope I grab a piece of fruit before landing face first on the trampoline. <laughs> yeah, watching some of the different uh, tactics of the kids uh, me, made me get really excited for a season two. I'd be excited for a season two for uh, many reasons, just because it's great, fun Star Wars entertainment. But I would love to watch kids who have watched the first season and have opinions <laughs> and <laughs> tactics, right? 
That's yeah, that's when it starts getting different. You know, over in that movie trivia schmodown thing, the first few seasons were a bunch of fun, and then other people said, Oh, here's how I can defeat you, and I will study and have flashcards, and it changes the nature of the game. So we'll see what Yeah, we're like <laughs> get to season eight of Jedi Temple Challenge and every kid the interview is like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't bounce, you go straight for the fruit. That's the way to beat that one. <laughs> That's right. You know, use your balance stick as a pole vault and you get over it. <laughs> so a lot of fun there. Uh we jump uh, jump ahead to the story time there, and I love the stories. Uh Kevin Scott doing a lot of uh, the writing here. They pull from a lot of little uh, spots, a lot of references. I didn't realize I did watch a video, there was an Easter egg video that got posted on Star Wars Kids, I believe. They, uh, I knew the mouse droid was the that cheese uh, droid that they have in that Star Wars show, uh, but uh, the, one of the, the Ewok was too as well, and I didn't catch that reference earlier, and I love that as well. But in this story here, Joseph, uh, we got a Weequay pirate story, and it got pretty dark. I was like, oh, we got like war refugees. What's <laughs> happening here? We got there's a lot of things going on. The Weequays. This this is just random thought. Do you ever think we'll, there'll be like justice for the good Weequay in the galaxy? You ever think I we'll think get it that? is just—it's—it's it's just all on this, uh, the shoulders of Sora Bulk, the uh, the Jedi Weequay that we go. see in the Ocean Arena. There, uh, uh, Sora's got a lot of heavy lifting to do because, uh, yeah, Weequays <laughs> are getting a bad name in the galaxy. Absolutely, uh, good story. Uh, Christian and Christopher—they uh, were so great on on the first uh, competition, the first uh, round of competition, but uh, they, they did uh, not move on to the Jedi Temple, but they got a life lesson here. This is uh, one of the ones I want on a t-shirt here. We could have won if we did things differently. <laughs> this is true. As my dad used to say, if I'd be like, oh, I just hurt my finger. I'd be like, does it hurt when you do that? I'd go, yeah. Well, don't do that. Like, there you go, dad. Um, <laughs> but hey, you know what it means? They did know their areas of weakness. And that, Joseph, is another life lesson. I think that's a great life lesson. And it's a Star Wars one that I really like a lot of sometimes something doesn't work out because you did not, you ran into a weakness or a part of the challenge that you weren't prepared for and know, ooh, that's something I can learn from and I can try to do better. And sometimes you do your very best and it still doesn't work out and then you need to learn to let go. That's just the way of the force sometimes. Yeah, it is. Those are the deep life lessons. Evangeline and Valentina move on to the final competition and and this was one of those you know you and i have been been uh, working in this business for a while joseph we know that when you get to a set it's usually smaller than you think on tv or even a youtube show there was a shot here i hadn't paid attention before maybe maybe again this maybe this revealed there was a shot where the door to the jedi temple the part that where you put your hand the kids have to put their hands up and use the force open the door was yeah. very close to that frosty uh, ridge there they have to climb and I actually, 44 years of age, who's been on sets before, who has built and been <laughs> produced sets for game shows and stuff, went, uh, oh, man, it's like right there. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting to walk in and just, it's a real temple. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean Jerry's apartment just opens right to the diner? How does that, what, what what you, that, how does that work? Oh, Oh, I had this thought. I don't know what you think, uh, especially if you and I were working together as a team, if, if they ever do uh, old folks Jedi Temple challenge. Um, <laughs> I would absolutely fail the color combo challenge. I would need help. Uh, case in point, if I get one of those confirmation emails, it's like, here's your code to re-log into a website you your password apparently disappeared from. I And it's 612-335. I do this. Six, nine, ha, and I have to go back to, uh, and then one, uh, uh, the color combo, red, yellow, green, blue, white. Remember, I, I would fail it. I would need your help, Joseph. 
Yeah, I think the danger there, and this is where, like, you know, you just you sit and you watch the show and you you come to opinions, and they sometimes it's maybe not even you know exactly right because maybe it's some there was a different dynamic uh, before the show got edited or that. Uh, they've got some great insights uh, from some of the creators kindly responding to our tweets. Uh, but for me, I think uh, the, the the color combo challenge you get one person to repeat to watch the colors and repeat them, and one person to remember. Because it seems like the kids might get confused when mm. they get excited. And yeah. I think this is what you and I would do. is both just shout colors. <laughs> and good, go, good. Which one of us was remembering? I was just shouting things I was seeing. There you Did go. you bother to remember? See, and there you go. You're already thinking of season two strategies. That's right. Jumps, and maybe they'd work, but probably not. <laughs> jump straight for the fruit. And one shouts, another remembers. Which is what goes into the, the second challenge. This is the one where you have to remember those little strips with the, 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 the colors on them. I thought this was the best communication. Very clearly yelling. Uh, I forget what, who was on which side, Evangeline or Valentina, but red, white, gray. <laughs> and I, I was like, finally, yes, that's how I would have to do it too. Because it seems so simple, but you're hurried. And you got Whitware in your ear yelling dog side stuff. I was like, this is, and they had a little hang up in the end, but it was just position. And they did a great job of, really clearly communicated and i thought as i prepare for season two myself that was a good good strategy that was such extreme uh extreme in good communication it made me think like if i ever uh become a person who has like the map directions talking to me on my phone in the car <laughs> that i would want <laughs> uh that wise twin to be like turn right in exactly <laughs> 10 feet it's by the gray building with the red stripe on it Get in that lane now. Yes. yes, and anytime someone asks you a question and the response might be right, use correct. Correct is the way to say it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so sadly, uh, they're such a great team. Evangeline and Valentina did not uh, complete their journey to becoming Jedi this time around. The circuit challenge did them in, and I got to tell you, I had an anxiety attack watching that. It is just, uh, it's a good challenge because, you know, it's like a puzzle piece and you're doing it fast, and that just... Man, that one's, I don't have a strategy for that other than screaming. It just, uh, it got me. I felt bad. I felt so bad because that one held them up. And then they tried to yeah. race up the, the, uh, the frosty, uh, the frosty fridge bridge, whatever. I forget what it's called. And slipping down just broke my heart. They were a great team. Yeah. So, yeah. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. Well, we get to, did get to hear Frank Oz give encouraging words, which is still, still one of my favorite parts of the show. Love that. Yeah, yeah. And I really liked that the twins said, uh, we did our best and that's what matters. And they had there such a like, great attitude about it. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, th- this was, a, I've enjoyed all the episodes. This was a particularly good one, I think, because yeah. uh, the kids were really, really tight. I thought that story was great. I love the kind of weirdness of the weak ways are going to put their dirty boots in our bed. It was like, <laughs> it had this sort of fairy tale quality to it of what are those weak way pirates doing? Are they going to eat your food too? Is this, a, yeah. you know, it was, it was. <laughs> Definitely the boots of the bed was like a little, uh, if you're, if you got seven year olds watching this show, it's a good reminder. Take your shoes off before you go to bed. Like it was just, yeah. Yeah. And uh, one thing I've been meaning to say, uh, as we've talked about Jedi temple challenge here is to just highlight the view numbers on YouTube. Yeah. They are very, very good. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, we, we even had that discussion early on, uh, and and it was a talking point, uh, probably on a lot of star Wars shows when they moved this from Disney plus, to YouTube, that could, understandably, especially if you're kind of on the outside looking in, you're not in the, the meetings up there at uh, Lucasfilm, uh, you know, you, you might, it might seem bad. Oh, they're downgrading it to YouTube or something like that. I think this was, uh, ended up being a great strategy. The views are solid. 
and it's getting to more people. And now if you want to move it to season, season two to Disney Plus and you might pull some of that audience, you're not going to pull all of them. That's just the way it works. But I, I think well played. Whatever the actual reason was, I think it came off uh, really well. Yeah, yeah. And just as we've been doing for Center, uh, like we were talking about earlier, I think there's this admirable push in Lucasfilm to make sure that they are making content that speaks directly to young fans. And we've seen, you know, uh, Forces of Destiny and Galaxy of Adventures and uh, Star Wars Resistance. And it's just great to see something like Jedi Temple Challenge that is, you know, another creative approach to that uh, really great idea of like, let's make sure that Star Wars is truly for everyone. And that means, uh, talking to kids um, that they're really doing a great job connecting with kids. They are. And they also are connecting with uh, men in their forties with who have <laughs> strategies for picking <laughs> space fruit off of a rope. Uh, thank you for uh, indulging me on that one there. Uh, that was a good uh, episode to dive into one more left in season one of Jedi temple challenge. We'll talk about that next week, but now Joseph, we've got the audience questions, the cues of our news and cues. That is right. And then I also help hope for season two of Jedi Temple Challenge that there is an after show uh, that it should be hosted by children. Oh, God, that's the that's a <laughs> spectacular idea. Sit a te- sit a sit some previous contestants down. Pick pick some. Oh, OK. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I guess we just want a lot of behind the scenes content. Too, yes. Which is yes. Nice. Nice. Disney gallery slash Jedi Temple Challenge. It would be great. It would be great. Uh, But we are going to move on now to our audience questions. We take them from uh, social media and from our patrons on Patreon. If you're a a patron, uh, we just recently posted a new request for questions. uh, So you can find that on our Patreon page. But for now, we're going to jump into questions from Twitter. Aiden asks, what's your current favorite piece of specific merch? I'm a big fan of my Jabba's Sail Barge Bartender R2-D2 Funko Pop. Aiden included a picture, and it is certainly a Bar 2-D2 there looking awesome, as always. It's a great version of R2 to have in Funko Pop form. So, Kenneth, where are you at these days? Uh, We've gotten questions like this that are like, what's Mm. the most meaningful piece of merch to you? But right now, what's your... What's your favorite? What's just giving you joy when you see yeah. it in your home? Well, first of all, I have to confess something here. Uh, and looking over on the notes, kind of, uh, you know, look them over, over when you send them. But I looked them over this morning, last minute, like, oh, what were the questions? I saw Aiden, and I thought it said Alden, which is our, our pal Alden Diaz, uh, who hosts Octo Radio that you and I both appeared on. He, he, he recently sent uh, me an Octo Radio t-shirt, and I thought, is this Alden's way of getting me to <laughs> talk about the t-shirt? So, Alden, there you go. I talked about the t-shirt. But Aiden, great question, because the use of current. It took a lot of pressure off me to go through my entire life <laughs> of what I got. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, my current favorite piece of, of Star Wars merch, it's a, it's a book, uh, but, but that counts. That's merch. It is the Star Wars Archives, the big book by Paul Duncan. Uh, mm. That is literally you could use it uh, as a as a you know working it, work it into your bench press routine. It's so big and heavy. It is the king of the coffee table books and the queen of the coffee table books. Um, with respect to Amidala there, and I just love it. It's got a lot of things that you're like, oh yeah, I'm so familiar with the original trilogy movies and the making of story. I get it. And then you scroll through and you're like, oh wow. That's great insight, or that's a great thing, or I forgot that Lawrence Kasdan said that to Lucas during the May, and, and it's got great quotes. Um, it is just a lot of fun. And then uh, Paul Duncan did tweet out this week that he's kind of done. He actually listed off the things he's done, or it's got to got to do. He the, the archives for the prequels will be coming out, 
And, you know, that's one of those save your allowance um, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and make some space because uh, it is it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, it, it. I always I've talked about this, I think, even before in Force Center. I'm such a Beatles nut. I'm a big Beatles fan. And there's one point where I'm like, yes, I get it. I know every day of the Beatles career. You don't you can't tell me anything I don't know. And then a book will come out and you'll be like, oh, I didn't know McCartney had ham for breakfast that day. Uh, <laughs> this this is kind of that. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, Breakfast with the Beatles is the massive archive book I, I would definitely want on my coffee table as well. That's a great one. Uh, my mind is, uh, and part of my Star Wars fandom is so deeply tied to toys when I hear merch. I, yeah. I just think toys, but there's a lot of great things. Uh, I will plug a book, the Secrets of the Jedi book that came out uh, right before Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. um, that's really good. It, it's got Luke, it's written from Luke's perspective and it's got some just great straightforward information about Jedi, but it's also Luke reflecting on why he became, you know, so distraught after losing Ben to the dark side and how exactly how Ray awakened uh, his commitment and his, his passion and his purpose. Great. Uh, great stuff. And it's also got like an aura Besh key that mm. you can read secret messages. It's great. It's really, really good. So oh. I, I will uh, plug that is a non toy merch. And yeah. then for toy, um, I have so many action figures and I kind of just get excited often about the newest one. Uh, I've got uh, the Clone Wars era Obi-Wan and Embo next to each other, which make me real happy. Um, mm. Got my Ray Rise of Skywalker on my desk. And then I have this bottle of Skywalker wine and the cork oh, yeah. of Skywalker wine says Skywalker on it. So I have it <laughs> right by Ray. So it's Ray Skywalker right next to each other. That makes me happy. Uh, but the newest thing I have is that Watto's box we talked about <laughs> at the top of the show. Uh, this is, if you're not familiar with it, it's from the Phantom Menace era. I love that era where Power of the Force had been doing really well. A new Star Wars was coming out, so they just made absolutely everything under the sun for the Phantom Menace. They'd been doing these cinema scenes, box sets of for the original trilogy of three characters in a specific scene. Things like Purchase of the Droids and Death Star Escape. And I love those. I collected them all. Uh, there was so much Phantom Menace uh, merch, I wasn't in a place to collect it all. And I think I was maybe aware. I don't think I ever saw Wada's box in a store. <laughs> <laughs> so in this, it, I love any action figure that stretches the use of the word action. I'm like, this is literally people sitting in a box watching other people do things. And it's <laughs> it's Wado who I love. And then it's uh, Twi'lek, I believe, named Shaka. And then this character that I've been obsessed with, uh, this big, very, very tall person with the big, massive fin head who is in Watto's box as they're watching the pod race. And one of the times that I was doing the schmodown, I was like, I need to know that guy's name. It might come up as a question, but maybe not. And, you know, there's sometimes the Star Wars characters that it's hard to actually find the name yeah. <laughs> so just like googled big head weirdo Watto's box and it took me work it took me actual work to find Graxall Calvin so he was already on my mind so then to see that this massive piece of plastic that is Graxall Calvin was in Watto's box just made me so damn happy so clearly I've been going on and on it's bringing me a lot of joy so thanks again uh, to Tristan Miller for uh, for sharing Watto's box with me yeah yeah you know I got to you know you you and I have been working together uh, five years now on Force Center Jennifer as well and like you know you get something sent out and there's some options right or a Star Wars ranking where we're like we just I love that you and I are both like 
yeah, Joseph's going to want this. I opened those out, up and it's like, <laughs> oh, I mean, I got to drive this over to his house right now. <laughs> this is great. Uh, good choice. Yeah, thank you again, Tristan Miller. And, and that Arabesh key, I got to get one of those because I'm tired of t- uh, texting uh, Alex over at Star Wars Explained and being like, what does this mean? <laughs> he could pretty much I'm trying to right memorize it. it slowly but surely. <laughs> it takes a lot. Great question. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much, Aiden, for that great question. Uh, so much, so many great pieces of Star Wars merch to just bring us joy. We're going to move on to Ernesto. Ernesto asks, when Padme asks how there could be slavery on Tatooine, Shmi said the Republic doesn't exist out here. Why is that so? The Republic was the unchallenged galactic power for millennia. Why does it have no influence or power in the Outer Rim, which is within its border? Uh, I got some thoughts on this one, Ken, but what do you think? Yeah, I... I I wonder how we'll probably line up a bit here, but follow me down this path. I think, number one, I think there's an outside the story answer, which is this is just a a great George line, just kind of talking about uh, governments and, and powers and, you know, how the forgotten of the galaxy as well. And this is the big question that always comes back, the spiritual question of, of the Jedi and slavery on Tatooine. And, and uh, we'll pluck one kid out of there. Uh, and, 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 and it's been dealt with a lot, uh, the, the Padme novels, particularly the first one, Queen Shadow, really dives into, hey, this this idea of uh, it's out there, it's there. I take this as a kind of a spiritual answer. Uh, the Republic doesn't exist out here. We obviously, no, the Republic is real, and the Republic uh, stretches far and wide as best it can. And I just think this is the outer rim. This is, uh, you know, we're not, you know, we got wild space too, and, and it isn't that uh, the, the, the folks of, of, of the government don't care. It's just... I think the people on the planet don't quite care for the Republic and what are you going to do in that delicate balance? We saw, we've been reviewed, we reviewed the Clone Wars movie and, and the huts, uh, vile gangsters, but they also control hyperspace lanes or, or areas of the outer rim that the Jedi need to get through during the Clone Wars and a, and a, and a deal is struck. I think that kind of spirit exists here. So it's not a great spirit. It, it is probably what George was trying to say a little bit too of just like, um, you know, justice doesn't exist out here. It's not that the Republic, it's just that true justice and, and, and true care and concern for the citizens of the galaxy doesn't exist out here. So it's the way I kind of look at it. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And I think the, the spirit of, of that moment and the, kind of the narrative punch of that moment is, yeah, that the, the Republic could probably do something, but they're not going to. Right. Uh, it's definitely felt there because it's right around that same time where in that conversation where it turns to Anakin saying, but mom, you say the problem is, you know, no one in this galaxy uh, helps one another. No one in this universe helps, uh, helps each other. Um, and I think there's a great call back to this moment in Queen's Peril where Padme talks about feeling like she kind of tripped over herself that she should know better than to ask something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's this spiritual narrative, meaningful side of it. But then I think there is kind of the, more technical, crunchy, how does the story of Star Wars work? And, you know, this Republic has been around for a thousand years, clearly based in the core worlds. We know from High Republic, only 200 years before Phantom Menace, they're, they're mm-hmm. not really that far expanded out. You know, they're, they're starting to colonize uh, the other rims, but they're not way out to the outer rim. So uh, there, I, I think, you know, you, you have that picture of the galaxy. It's not like, oh, this galaxy is all known in the government you know, uh, is in control of all of it. Um, and then the way the government, the this Republic is actually set up, like planets have to join. So mm. I don't think uh, 
I think Tatooine, I think in the fact that they say in Phantom Menace that Tatooine is controlled by the huts, yeah. that the huts have this control of this planet, this sector of space that goes through to the Clone Wars movie, like you were saying, of they control those hyperspace lanes. I don't think Tatooine is like in the Republic. It's truly like not a part of the government. Yeah. So if the Republic wanted to do something, it would be a big choice to get into conflict with the huts. And I always think about that from the Jedi perspective, uh, from the Republic perspective. Uh, it gets touched on a little bit in Master and Apprentice uh, by Claudia Gray, where there's this different corporation, the Wachurka Corporation, mm. that is involved in slaving too. And yes, slavery is illegal in the Republic, but they're not being as um, noble and brave as they should about facing the conflict and saying, mm. we're going to commit to wiping this out in in all of the known galaxy right yeah and and then, you, yeah sorry sorry no go on go on yeah go on. so just like i feel like there's those kind of crunchy things that matter those details but all those details still get back to what you led with that this is a story about that's why padme asked like but i believe in the republic i believe that in in this galaxy this that this shouldn't this can't still exist right and then it's like yeah i mean they'd have to fight with the huts maybe and maybe just there's not political will to do anything about this mm. horrible thing mm. and it gets back to the spiritual that you're talking about yeah and and what you're saying gets me excited to uh, I, th- I think people if you haven't read the aftermath series it's just a lot going on there but the, the interludes which i do love uh the cop fan stuff that's what he, he is a former slave on tatooine who now has some freedom is going to fight for the for the freedom of, of others and and that you mentioned like the corporations uh, or organizations more than maybe corporations having some kind of control and kind of uh, putting that uh, that that depressive boot of slavery down uh, as well. Like, and he fought, he wanted to fight against that. That was part of him taking up the mantle of the Boba Fett armor. Whether or not get that gets deal dealt with in uh, Mandalorian season two with some of those rumors, we'll find out. But I think it I think it all connects, and I think it's, that's why I've always loved the combat stuff. There's a lot there more than just a guy finding some ar- armor and pretending to be a sheriff. Um, <laughs> yeah, some big freedoms uh, stuff going on there, and then it makes me what you're just talking to uh, talking about Joseph that, that crunchy Star Wars stuff makes me excited for the High Republic because you're right, only 200 years before in 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 terms of history, that's not a lot, and uh, it's an expanding galaxy. What 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 is going to be the ramifications of trying to expand of this government saying, "Hi, we're on your planet." Would you like to join? No? Okay, we're going to be here anyways. Like, you know, like, do you get into that nitty-gritty stuff there? Uh, some of the, some of the, the, the troubling, complicated shades of gray, you know, of, of ruling, and, and maybe your intentions are good, but what is bad? You know, it, it could potentially go into some really interesting places. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is a great question from Ernesto, and I think it is, to me, it's a great question because I think it's the question that Lucas wanted us to ask and one of the things that like original trilogy fans uh, kind of bumped on when they first watched Phantom Menace, you know, because Obi-Wan had told us in A New Hope that the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of expecting to see this great galaxy in Phantom Menace, but the story is starting when things are already kind of going sideways. And I think it's meant, we're meant to have the same sort of incredulity that Padme has of like, well, how could these great powers like the Republic and the Jedi allow this to stand and and ask these exact questions? Mm. Good stuff, Ernesto. 
Yeah, yeah. So we're going to move on to our questions from uh, Patreon. This one's from our patron, Robert Meadows. Uh, Robert says, what are your thoughts on the Bendu, and would you like to see more Force-centric creatures like him? Uh, my short answer is yes. How about you, Ken? <laughs> That's my short answer, too. This is a almost perfectly timed question, Robert. I was in the middle of a Star Wars Rebels rewatch when uh, the Clone Wars rewatch started here in Force Center and just some other... Um, uh, other uh, things I needed to watch or listen to. So it's my rewatch of Rebels has been pushed to the side a little bit, but I'm almost done with season two. Season three, Thrawn, Bendu, a lot of these other great concepts start and characters start popping up. So I, I actually was, because I like, I have a positive uh, memory and, and feeling towards the Bendu, but I don't know for certain, you know, I'm like, okay, let's see where this sits for me now. I do love it. I love the use of the name that ties to uh, Star Wars lore and making of behind the scenes lore as well. And everything about the character, every time it comes up, it just, I really loved it. It raised uh, great questions and uh, great force uh, related philosophy quandaries and questions and, and was a really insightful character. So I do like it. It is just really kind of mythical and what the hell is it and all those kind of things. And so sometimes I don't necessarily gravitate to that more than I do shore troopers, uh, unfortunately. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm excited to see, put a pin in this one, Robert, I'll come back and give you my answer after I've watched season three to see where it sits for me now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think those are great thoughts and I would be happy to see uh, the show Bendu in the shore troopers because yes. I love the shore troopers. Uh, and I love Bendu. I got to do a Rebels rewatch. I watched it as it as it came out, and I definitely want to go watch it, uh, kind of speed watch it through the flow. Uh, but I really like the concept of Bendu. Huge, huge Doctor Who fan. So Tom Baker mm, uh, right. voicing Bendu and Tom Baker being a perfect voice for a character like this just absolutely uh, thrills me. And I love the idea, uh, to Robert's question, of, of more Force-centric, Force-centric creatures like him. It's like, yeah. Mm. Because I feel like I like the story of Star Wars that there are many weird beings like him, like whatever uh, Yoda, Yaddle, and the child species might end up being, um, the eye of the webbish bog, that there are these weird, a little bit more kind of uh, one-off or smaller groups of strange force creatures that are a little bit more fantasy-like, that they all have a kind of different perspective on the Force because it isn't just one perspective that is true. It gets to me that feeling that the Star Wars galaxy is wide and weird. And for a while, you can just walk the, you know, organized, shiny halls of the Empire. But if Mm -hmm. it goes too far outside of known civilization, you don't know what is literally going to pop out of the ground, (laughs) you know? Like, you don't know if you go to a new planet. It's like, is that a tree? Or is that the hat of a weird being, you know? Right. right. And, and the Bendu captures that. And uh, I got to do a, a, a rewatch to get deep into the philosophy. But, you know, some, from some things that Filoni has said, I think Filoni really does have this great perspective of sometimes I write some kind of uh, force stuff that makes sense to me as a writer, but is really open to interpretation. So people still have a way in. So that this is a conversation not a statement always. And I feel like the Bendu, to my memory, is one of those kind of characters where like, it's really interesting philosophical stuff and you can pin an exact meaning to it, but you could also have a different meaning from a different fan and that would be really, really valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he definitely, he plays, yeah, he definitely doesn't want all the answers out there, right? He'll wait for a vague tweet about Ahsoka that'll make you, <laughs> or that a, a, a parody account will make and I'll fall for. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, what I like about it too is, um, it reminds me, 
as a fan, as, as a particular fan that I am, that uh, the pew, pew, pew and the starships are part of the fun. There's always something bigger because of this myth. And these characters or the world between worlds or, you know, Mortis, all the things that pop up are, are a reminder for me that this is a myth. This is mythical. Going to back what you were even talking about at the beginning of the show with, with what you and Sarah were watching, like, it is, a re- it is a reminder that sometimes my tendency, and the reason I keep saying that phrase, the why of Star Wars, it's almost a constant reminder to myself because I can get caught up in the hows and the whats. And Bendu pops up and I'm like, well, what is that? And how does it exist? And the question is why? And that that is a good reminder for me, which is why I really love that these characters are there. And I'd love to see more of them. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is one of the amazing strengths of Star Wars that it has this uh, this tension between the mystery of what the hell is a Bendu and then also you can go all the way to the other side and like here's a cross section of exactly how the Millennium Falcon works <laughs> and they're all great ways to explore Star Wars. Yep. All all are correct. All ways, all views are correct. Yeah. Looking forward to that Bendu emotional cross section book. <laughs> it's Star really. Wars. Star Wars the emotional cross sections. Please. <laughs> If we cut down to this layer of Han Solo, you can see that he is a bit of an optimist. <laughs> That's so true. I want that. We need We need to put that out. Uh, all right. Our final question. Final question comes from uh, Chris King, and we welcome these uh, from our listeners. This is part brilliant essay and part question. So here we go. We all talk a lot and sometimes joke a lot about how Star Wars rhymes. But as I rewatched The Rise of Skywalker the other week, I truly realized how much of the Endor section of that film rhymes with other movies in the Skywalker saga. Rey seeing a dark version of herself very much rhymes with Luke in the cave on Dagobah. Mm. Rey and Kylo fighting as the bursts of water shoot above them mirrors the fiery lava of Mustafar in the Anakin and Obi-Wan duel. Rey's pause as she realizes that she has killed Kylo, and by extension Leia, echoes Luke's recognition of Vader's robotic hand in Return of the Jedi, and instead of a son saving and redeeming a father, as we have in that movie, we have a father helping redeem a son through Ben's memory of Han. My question is, what are some of your favorite rhyme moments in the sequel trilogy, and how do they enrich other moments from the prequels or original trilogy? Thanks so much for reading my lengthy question, and for all you guys do, listening to Four Center is truly one of the best parts of my week and has helped me get through these stressful past few months. Thank you, Chris, so much for the great question and the great thoughts and your questions and your thoughts help me get through these uh, stressful past few months. So thanks so much. Ken, what are you feeling about the rhymes, the poetry of the sequel trilogy? Well, there's just another great little viral video of uh, Lucas talking about it. And then uh, with the prequels in the original trilogy kind of cut together. And it's just fascinating uh, to see all that stuff there. Uh, I... I'm trying to pull some out. I, I don't want to be just snarky, but I, 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 the, the rhyme, but also the beginning and the end of the poem, which is Luke staring at the twin sons uh, in, in New Hope, and then Ray and BB-8 in a wonderful shot, no matter how it was put together, staring at the twin sons at the end of episode nine, to me is the poem is done. And look at that. We're back to where we started in another uh, way. And instead of going out, her journey is going on. So that one works for me as well. There's a lot of little moments. I'm trying to think of, um, of deeper moments, but I, I, I go to a lot of stuff with Kylo uh, and him wanting to be uh Vader, but not sure of himself. And so a lot of the, the faceless mask of him staring out, watching 
uh, Hosnian Prime be destroyed works for me. It was some other little poetry moments with Vader just kind of staring at the Emperor and wondering uh, when he's going to take him down. Those little things like that. But then that makes me think of the throne room scene. Uh, mm. Which has beautiful amounts of poetry, but then the 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 beats are a little different, and it uh, takes you to the same emotional spot, but then twists it around a bit. And that one is the biggest one that I love. When those doors open, when you first see that throne room, before even the big sequence, but we're just you're just seeing it with Kylo and Hux. We had seen going into that movie what it is, but so, so you know what it looked like, but to see how it played out and to see what happens uh, in that uh, in that throne room, that was a, a big uh, middle eight of the song. Uh, to take it beyond just poetry, a good middle eight that was part of the song, but rhymed and different. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example because it is so purposeful uh, between the elevator and the binders falling off, uh, you know, yeah. from the Snoke Emperor uh, doing basically the same move. It so sets you up for, we've seen this before, uh, yeah. but then it's not going to go the way you think, which is, you know, a great, a great way to use poetry. Um yeah, there's so much in the sequel trilogy and there's some like internal rhymes within the sequel trilogy uh, that I love that uh, Ray uh, reaching out to BB-8 is kind of this first moment of kindness and mm-hmm. uh, and first sense of who she truly is. And that to me is a part of the poetry of it's Ray is not alone on Tatooine. She's there with BB-8, the first mm-hmm. person that she reached out to in kindness. And, you know, yeah. she's ready to reach out to the entire galaxy in that spirit of, of kindness that uh, BB-8 uh, began that journey with her. Uh, and that's like an internal moment. But in terms of Chris's uh, question of rhyming with the uh, original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, l- the two moments of Luke uh, looking at the twin sunsets mm-hmm. uh, on Tatooine and then on Octo at the beginning of his journey and at the end of his journey just really, really affects me uh, because the twin sunset moment in a new hope is such a huge part of my star Wars fandom. And really as a young person relating to that, I know there's something more out there for me and I just so want to go and be a part of it. And then the way it rhymes at the end of the last Jedi where, Hey, I have gone so many places. I have become a myth. I have utterly mastered the force. And in this moment, he's at, has peace and purpose. He, knows what he is doing, why he is there. So there's this sense of completion to that journey, that longing in A New Hope. And then also knowing that Luke knows he is going to transform into the Force and begin a new adventure. And in some ways, that kid who's looking over to the horizon for what's next is just a part of him. It's not a flaw. It's a part of who he is. And he's still in that moment and going, What's next? This isn't the end. This is the beginning of the next uh, adventure beyond the horizon, beyond the sunsets. And just really, really moves me. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I could go on and on. Just yeah. A couple a couple quick more. Just uh, in this section that Chris is talking about, um, I, I love that Kylo is uh, rejecting, or Ben, rather, is rejecting Kylo by throwing that blade away on the wreckage of the place mm-hmm. where Luke did the same thing. That's great. Um, and one that I think fan, a lot of fans are excited about because it is directly related to the prequels, which ties the entire nine movies together a lot, is this, uh, it's not a direct image, but more that idea that so much of what animated Anakin is wanting to prevent the death of Padme, but falling ill to all of these, you know, uh, uh, wrong ways of thinking about it and uh, wanting to save her because he himself selfishly couldn't deal with the pain of losing her. And then that rhyme that, that Kylo does manage, or again, Ben, mm-hmm. uh, does manage to achieve 
what his grandfather wanted, but he understands the the right way to do it, that he is saving the person he loves out of utter love and self selflessness and, you know, not fighting what he hates, but saving what he loves. It's all, all very beautiful to me. It's almost as if we have to dedicate a episode to the rhymings of uh, the rhymes <laughs> and melodies of the sequel trilogy with the other things that might uh, lead to bigger discussions. And oh, discoveries. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and it, as Chris says in the beginning of this, of you know, we talk about it a lot and we joke about it a lot, and you know, I, I get it, and I, I think it's you can poke fun at it mm-hmm. um, because some sometimes the rhyming is just a, a it's just visual or hey, mm-hmm. this character said this once, so then another character says it, and it's a kind of fun wink and a nod, uh, so it can be easy to make fun of, but for me, there is so much value in the poetry that it's mm-hmm. great to really explore it uh, and take it seriously and uh, and let it uh, emotionally affect you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So those are our questions for this week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Robert, Ernesto, and Aiden. We took a tour of the galaxy from Watto's box to inside the Bendu to the rhymes of Star Wars and the morality of the Republic and their relationship with slavery. We went everywhere, Ken. Uh, <laughs> that is it for our questions this week. If you have questions for us for future episodes, you can reach out on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page, Force Center Podcast. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Podcast available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Search. If we're not there, let us know, and we'll try to get our show there. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Be like Alden with his Octo Radio t-shirt. Represent Force Center as well. Represent both. Stitch them together. Now, um, <laughs> patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us. We are uh, excited to have new uh, patrons uh, every day. Hit hard, turn left. One of my Twitch viewers just jumped into the uh, Force Center uh, Discord and Patreon page. So good to have you there. Um, we are making plans, and your support makes those plans come true. We have our own things we're working on and promoting. And uh, you can go to my website, KenNapsock.com for links to all those things, including my baseball podcast, Box Score Heroes. Uh, Joseph, we got uh, your uh, stuff and also our recommendations for charity and donation spots coming up here. That is right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures. Uh, there's a link there to uh, my Bandcamp page, which has all my comedy albums, but in particular, I wanted to highlight. I did a project called Adventures in Voting, and it's a bunch of uh, awesome people, I think many of whom would be known to listeners of uh, Force Center, uh, who are sharing the pop culture character that inspires them to stay hopeful and to uh, to use their power and to vote. Uh, if you just need some inspiration right now to keep going, uh, you can listen to that for free on Bandcamp. But if you buy it, all of the money goes to rock the vote, to help get out the vote. Get out the vote indeed. And for me, uh, Charity Spotlight uh, this week is uh, another one recommended by our listener, Kai. Uh, Kai Thatch uh, recommended the Peace Fund, but he also recommended Hope for the Warriors which is a group funded by, uh, founded by U.S. combat veterans and their families with the goal to help all that are affected by military service, uh, particularly during the difficult transitions into civilian life. That's something in my old job that uh, one of the companies I worked for was really, it was really something they, they worked hard to do and actually won some awards. It's important and it's a, not an easy transition. And uh, this group supports that as well. So go to hopeforthewarriors.org. Thanks, Kai, for that recommendation. We are... Out of here. No Emmy nominations for us, Joseph, but (laughs) 
Maybe one day. Uh, later this week, we have got some fun content, a great Star Wars ranked. It's an ugly edition of Star Wars ranked. Stay tuned for that. And then on Thursday, the big Dr. Afro radio drama discussion. We'll dive into that. So that is it for now. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Force Center. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.